bitch is bad and bullshit. Welcome to the Mad and Bitchy Podcast. I'm Erin. And I'm Erica. And Erica, it's our penultimate episode for this season of the pod. Yo, we are almost done season one, and I feel like we've been renewed for season two. We've been greenlit. Yes. Uh, very excited. Yes. Um, so, yeah, season two will be hitting hitting the airwaves and your ears come the near. Yep. Um, so, Erica... What's been going on with you this week? I know you had a busy week. I had a really busy week, which I was happy about. Um, busy weeks are good. Um, I've been hustling lately. I've been hustling hard. Tell yeah. me more. Well, um, like things that I didn't have. So like an accountant or something like that, I've been really trying to get in place for the new year. Right. And so I'm trying to get sort of the the ideas and stuff out there and get them um, sort of planned out and implemented. So when I go away for Christmas vacation, I'll be gone for three weeks, yo. Yay! <laughs> um, I... I'll probably just I'll have time to like reflect and plan and do all that good stuff while the administrative stuff is in place. Yeah, it's more of like your strategic visioning, planning. Oh, and I got plans and visions. It's great. <laughs> I'm so excited for next year because I'm like I already have things lined up for next year in yeah. January going into february and i'm just like this is the best new year new you yes <laughs> yes and so i am so i need to get back i want to be fit again because mm -hmm. i used to be like really fit and then i got into a car accident and then that like kind of derailed me for the past year so now that i'm like getting physio and so on and so forth i am getting better um I want to, I just want to kind of rearrange my lifestyle a little bit so yeah. I can hustle more. Right. Give yourself some more energy. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. The eating I have down. I'm still keto, you guys. Wow. I know. Since like September 20th or 18th or something. Wow. Yeah. Very impressive. I know. Um, and the thing is, like, I have a lot, I'm, I'm, it, I can respond to the stop and go a lot more. Yeah. And that's mainly sure. why I kept with Re it. Creating resiliency within your body. Exactly. You yeah. get this. Yeah. How's spinning? Um, good. Uh, my schedule as of today doubles as a, an instructor. Oh, that's right. Because you are going to start instructing at the new wheelhouse downtown, yes. right? Yeah. Yeah. I saw them. I saw them like, you look so excited. Have you seen the plans yet? Uh, yeah, I was there the other day. Uh, our first day open was today. Oh, um, congratulations, Wheelhouse. Yeah, everyone's super pumped. It's a beautiful place. Um, and I know they're fans of the pod. They are. They are. Shout out to Wheelhouse. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Oh, so I got through, <laughs> tried to like eat healthy this week just because I get really lazy. And okay, I wait, wait, wait. 
But you're not eating healthy on the scale of not eating healthy is what exactly? Um, I really like snacking and I really like sweets. Me too. So if I'm – so my boyfriend doesn't like sweet things. He doesn't seek out sweet things or snacks and he only ever – eats those things when I'm around mm. I'm like oh let's go get a donut and then we'll get like and I'll get two and he'll have a bite or two of mine <laughs> so I'm like oh we're both getting donuts we get two and then I just eat them <laughs> <laughs> so, so things like that like I don't need to eat two donuts who or, does or really? more <laughs> um so so just things like that so I I do consume like a high amount of junk food i really like fries and sugar so i <laughs> i texted my boyfriend on tuesday and i was like guess what i've made it through two full working days without junk food or like refined sugar or ju- like anything he's like congratulations oh that's congrats i congratulate you to be honest though like you also have a lot of muscle mass yeah so you can afford to do that because you're like you have muscle you're muscular and which is where I want to get back to yeah I want to be I want to be like I want to get back to um to weightlifting and stuff yeah but I just want to say that your body probably metabolizes it a lot easier and uses it a lot better because you also walk a lot yeah uh so in other words you're very physically active and probably need the fuel anyway it's true and that's how I always say I'm like oh I just need the calories because I expend so many Mm -hmm. um but at the same time, eating better yeah. does make you feel better. It does. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't get withdrawal headaches, though, so that was good. Oh, that's good. And drink a lot of water, too. I do. Water is good. Yeah. Water is good. Yeah, I pee a lot. But once you, once you hit a certain age, shit. <laughs> the only people who can get away with that are people who are extremely fit. Extremely fit. Yeah. Okay, so let's get into it. Uh, this week in feminism, this past week, Time Magazine announced their person of the year, and as usual, it caused some controversy. The honor went to the, quote, silence breakers, a.k.a. the hashtag MeToo movement. The cover features Ashley Judd, Susan Fowler, Adama Iwu, and Isabel Pasquela, and Taylor Swift. Uh. Uh, Time actually did ensure that they didn't just include celebrities, demonstrating that it's not just a problem that celebrities face. Um, Anyway, notably absent from the cover and the subsequent interview uh, was the founder of the Me Too movement, Tarana Burke, who was actually a recent Women's Crush Wednesday on our Instagram. Yep. Um, So shout out. Before she was a thing. So shout out to Tarana Burke. Yep. Um, And at the very least, Time was... um, grateful kind enough to you know mention that she founded the movement in the article yeah while talking about ashley judd yeah yeah so was this the right call for person of the year erica the short list included other names like donald trump he was last year kim jong-un why colin kaepernick well a few other people i don't remember Oh, some crown prince of Saudi Arabia. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> what the fuck time? This is what I want to know. This is what I want to know. I, okay, calling, listen, the Me Too movement, I get it. I get it. Yep. Right? It has done 
wondered. It's, it's, I'm going to start with this. The Me Too movement has opened the floodgates for women to talk about their own harassment and to inform the public that A, this is unacceptable, B, this happens, C, how it happens, and D, that there's no mechanism, there's no recourse. I would also go with E and let people know that they're not alone. That they're not alone. Exactly, which is the point, right? So I get that. And from from the women that I've spoken to, um, every woman is appreciative of that. Mm -hmm. I'm appreciative of that. And however, this is my problem, is that as usual, a black woman starts something and gets Columbus out of it. Mm-hmm. So in the point is, is that Ashley, was it Ashley? No, it was Alyssa Milano. Yeah. Her, a friend of Alyssa Milano sent her um, either an article or an image or something of Toronto. Um, Perk. Burke, um, like protesting or or her work, yeah, some sort of information about her work. Alyssa Milano then took that, co-opted it, and said, "Hey, if you want to talk about your sexual assault, yeah, say me too." Yeah, reply to this tweet, me too, me too. Yeah, that okay. was the thing. So basically, there was no mention of the original person, and she's. This is a media person. Alyssa Milano has grown up in media. And when I say grown up, literally. Oh, yeah. Grown up. Like 12 years old, she was on Who's the Boss. Which was a real good show. I used to love that show. Especially Mona. Mona. Right? Oh, my God. Mona gave no fucks. Queen Mona. Yes. Shout out to Mona. (laughs) (laughs) And so... um, and so she knows don't like this is just not an oversight. This is something where she should know instinctively to give credit mm-hmm. where credit is due. But she didn't do that. And only when she was called out about it, did she finally do that. And I, you know, she probably thought that, you know, she didn't have 280 Twitter characters yet. So like that would have just been too much work. There's something called a Twitter reply. <laughs> So you can reply to yourself and say, hey, this movement was started by. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then actually look for the account and fucking tag her. Yeah. I I will say as much as Colin Kaepernick has done really great things over the past year and a bit, I think this was the right pick just because Colin Kaepernick and what he's been protest or started protesting and has been continued in the NFL has been co-opted and derailed by conservatives and the Republicans and distorted into anti-police, um, anti-American, which isn't the case. You know, it's protesting systemic racism and the treatment of unarmed black people. And that, I think, often gets missed in the conversation. So the fact that you, it's hard to keep that in a straight line, whereas like the Me Too movement, you kind of can't really um, just derail in the same way. You can't derail it because it's white women. Sure. 
so and it, and it's like it, there's it, a hashtag is a very specific thing yeah and it's also couched within it these things um and you can like i will even argue that that white women co-opted the me too movement oh absolutely and so like for example i think um like Tirana for years has worked in the trenches with survivors of sexual harassment and me too started as a response to anti-black and racial discrimination as well as sexual harassment and violence the current movement has erased everything before Mm -hmm. the sexual harassment so it too has been co-opted and it's funny to me how when white women take over something that's meant for women that they end up excluding all like a a large swath of women. Yeah, and I, I don't I don't think that that's intentional, but they just make it they just make it accessible to everyone, which to them means everyone, but they don't understand that there's nuances for all these different types of people. I don't give a shit if they don't mean to. No, no, I'm just saying. I'm, <laughs> like, just, saying. I'm yeah. just like I know what you're saying. Yeah. Like I'm not I'm not Yeah, you yeah, know. yeah. Um I know what you're saying, and it's not um, malicious and intent. No, but the, that's just what happens. But the road to hell is paved with good intent because they just what they just create um, paint in broad strokes. Yeah, and but they make it all about them. Exactly. Yeah, because it's all about their strokes. Yep. You see, hundo percent. Exactly. Like I like you know what I wanted to read more about in in this time issue is the women who are suing the plaza hotels. Oh, yeah. The housekeepers yeah. and the... Yo, yeah. yeah. I'm looking at them right now. And so six female employees joined a sexual harassment law- lawsuit against Fairmont Hotels and Resorts, who owns, I guess, the plaza. Yeah. And there was barely a, a few words about it. Mm-hmm. And what I am criticizing time for is the care in which they took to highlight the relevance of the stories they chose it's their choosing it's not the choosing of their time person of the year i support it yeah right it's how they choose to unveil it it's how they chose it's who they chose for the cover it's how much it's how much ink they gave to um or bites they gave to relative stories you know what i mean like that's what that's the problem i have yes um i find it very interesting that the women of color they included on the cover are the ones that are not famous as though they couldn't find what the fuck about gabrielle union Okay, this is what I want to know. Why was Gabrielle Union written out of this entire piece? Who still looks as wonderful and beautiful as she did when she was on Bring It On. Oh, yeah. Hasn't aged a day. No. But Gabrielle Union has been an Uh. outspoken um, critic of sexual predators. Yep. She has... um, she has talked excessively about her own sexual assault in yep. interviews and her new memoir, We're Going to Need More Wine. Oh, my God. I want to read this book so much. Me too. I'm, I think I'm going to actually. You don't even read I books. I know. I don't read books, but I want to read this one. Oh. Yeah. 
And she recently pointed out in a New York Times piece that the media coverage of sexual assault is decidedly skewed and offers much more reporting of victims who are white women. Huh. Well, I mean, she's not wrong. Um, not to diminish anybody's trauma. Not at all. Okay. I can, I can simultaneously criticize who was included, included and who was highlighted but still support the entire movement. I saw, this is going to be an interesting conversation for later in my red hitter scene. Oh, good. Good. Um, so let's talk about Taylor Swift. Oh. What the hell? Okay, so before anybody says anything, I know she took... Um, we talked about her on the pod. Yeah, the DJ. Is it, yeah. Was he a DJ? Yes. He was only a DJ? Yeah. Okay, let's look at the power of And not even like Calvin Harris DJ. No. I think he was like radio DJ. Oh, please. Oh, this is even worse than I thought. I think. I don't know. No, he was a nobody. Yeah. Okay. I, you know, you know, coming to think of it. Oh, she's she's putting down her coffee. I'm putting down my coffee because I can't. Okay. So Taylor Swift gets praised for doing fuck all. Okay. She took a no name radio DJ to court for grabbing her ass or or whatever he was yeah. doing and and I'm just like she what did she do to and what did she do to widen that to, to use her podium to widen it for women of color for women who don't have voices I'm tired of these privileged women sitting up there saying you sexually harassed me and you did this but they do fuck all for anybody else yeah, so usually, like, sexual harassment and assault is a power imbalance skewed towards the men. Whereas in Taylor Swift's case, it was it's weirdly skewed towards her. So I don't know what the DJ was thinking and thought maybe, I guess, he could get away with it because yeah. she looks like a delicate little flower. Yeah. Um, but she clapped back. And her testimony in court was great. She was very rehearsed. She was very deliberate in her she words. She was very rehearsed, as Taylor Swift is. Um, but, like, I don't. There is no reality in my brain in which she loses that case. So I'm going to read something from Awesomely Lovey. Okay. Who is, um, if you guys don't know, Awesomely Lovey has a book. She's, she, I would call her an internet personality, a digital personality. Okay. So, um, who uh, had a bestseller on the New York Times. Yeah. So... What she said in on her blog is that what I have this is this is her these are her words. What I have a problem with is what Taylor Swift is being positioned is that Taylor Swift is being positioned as the face of a movement by being placed on this cover because she won a lawsuit. Capitalism. Um, she lost nothing when others have lost everything when they break their silence but don't get visibility. Just look at Kesha, whose abuser was her record label boss. She took him to court and lost everything, including her career. Mm. She broke her silence when there was zero room for it and got shamed into hiding. He even put a gag order on her. Why is she not on the cover? And I support that wholeheartedly. Where the fuck is Kesha? Yeah. And how could time be so ignorant as to as to remove her from the entire narrative. And this and this is me 
standing up for a white woman when I talked about white women. Yeah. But this is not the, a white woman with power. And that is my point. Yep. Is that the women who have the power who say, I've been sexually assaulted, great. And now what? You have power. Yeah, Taylor Swift very much wants to be included in this narrative. She did. <laughs> oh, well played. Well played. <laughs> I don't even know what to say after that. Well played. Uh, also, uh, the old Taylor is dead, and uh, the new Taylor is here, and she's a, an outspoken advocate for uh, sexual harassment. Well, assault. being an advocate means you advocate for others. Other yeah, than yourself. she's not a fucking advocate. She's not. She's just a self-serving little she, bitch. Exactly. And you know what? The way she's using this to market herself <clears throat> when she just released an album disgusts me. I mean, the album did need all it, all the help it could get. It's a shit album. I haven't even. It's not to the it. shit. It is shit. Um, what I find weird is that they. The, P- the person of the year was dubbed the Silence Breakers, but T- Taylor Swift wasn't breaking silence. She didn't move a fucking needle. She did the bare minimum, in my opinion. Yeah. She took, she and her high-powered law team took a dude, and listen, the dude was wrong. Straight up, he was wrong. Yep. Straight up, yes. He should lose his job over that. Straight up. Okay, and only Lord knows how many other women he's done it to. But did she talk about that? No. Uh, did she say what did she say? No, she didn't say anything. She only asked for a symbolic one dollar settlement, which all, he had just recently sent to her. His lawyer just said, "Oh, it's in the mail." I'm sorry, that was three or four months ago that that case was decided. Uh, it's a dollar. You could have walked out of the fucking courtroom and handed her a dollar bill, first of all. Well, it's just Second the, of all, yeah. if she wants to be known for advocating for sexual harassment and assault and victims of gender-based violence, then maybe ask for a bigger settlement and fucking donate the money. Right. To Kesha's fund. Yeah. But no. Remember, remember when she was all up, oh, Kesha, I'm your friend. I was, you know, I was just like, that's just such bullshit. Yeah. Because she could have advocated for even her friend. Yep. But she didn't because it's all about Taylor. I'm not here for women like this when it's all about them and their career and how much power they get. That is, you know, and like, so like, I'm just not here for it. And damn it, I'm calling you all out because I am just tired of women who want to take a, oh, we're here for all women and then want to make it into a racket about themselves. Yeah. No. Mm-mm. <laughs> nope. Um, I'm glad we're recording this on video. You guys are going to see all my faces. <laughs> um, so sticking with the subject, uh, Rose McGowan, who was a big <laughs> Harvey Weinstein um, uh, sexual assault alleger in the uh, – the New York Times and New Yorker pieces that came out in October. Also, sidebar, we are we only reached the two-month period from the Harvey Weinstein thing this past week. It has been two it's months. Been, it's been two months already? Only. It's been two months. I feel like it just happened yesterday. It also feels like it happened last year. Because it did. It's been the <laughs> longest two months of, like, everyday stories of 
sexual assault and harassment allegations. Yes, yes. Um. Anyway, Rose McGowan was omitted from the cover. She was included in the interview. How kind of them. Tweets out, Ronan Farrow, investigator of the year, writer of the year, hashtag my time. Um, I'm sorry. The very first story that broke regarding Harvey Weinstein was not Ronan fucking Farrow. He, it was the New York Times and it was Jody Cantor and Megan Tuohy, two women, followed quickly on the heels with the New Yorker's Ronan Farrow piece. Now I really don't like her. So I'm sorry. <laughs> Just because you're pals with Ronan Farrow and he has been investigating this story for many years uh, and was like a dog with a bone with it, didn't break the story and has not continued to report on it in the way that the New York Times has because Megan Toohey and Jody Cantor were just offered a book deal. Good for them. Good for fucking they them. They have investigated the depths and the absolute insanity behind the Harvey Weinstein thing. Yes. The way that it's been hidden by and people who have been in the, the, in the Weinstein thing. The, whole, the Weinstein Company, how everyone was mostly complicit, whether or not they knew it. Yeah. The manipulation, the investigations from the National Enquirer. It's been insane. But no, no. Sorry. Super feminist Rose McGowan wants to actually take the, the uh, women out of the conversation and give it to a man. What is it? What what is it? Like why do the most outspoken feminists not uh, hashtag not all feminists. Um <laughs> some of the most um outspoken advocates for women still seek a man's approval. Mm-hmm. I've noticed that. This is not the first time i've noticed this that in fact during the women's march or after the women's march around that time there was a conversation on twitter about what men will think and i had to be i had to be like gives a fuck at the end of the day i don't i don't know what it is but women still seek this approval from men that i don't like i just don't i'm like ah like beside beyond just you know the typical yeah you know collegial collegial or you like somebody or whatever yeah there is in north america there seems to be a stockholm syndrome with women when it comes to men and Mm. in terms of and i'm talking about north america because that's what i know okay yeah that's why i'm not talking about other places or other countries so anyway Within North America, even when women get pissed off and angry, it's like they have to look to a man and ask him if it's okay to be angry. It's really weird. Asking for permission instead it, of there's forgiveness. There's this ask, yes, yeah, I never ask for permission, naturally. I always ask for forgiveness. Oh, I'm sorry, I fucked with you. You know, and I... Which Same, I, mostly. I, no, I've never said that. <laughs> It's more of like, you don't like it? That's too bad for you. I, I need Mona on my back. Uh, by the way, your 
screen. Your like, is it the home screen? The lock screen. My lock screen on my phone. It is epic, y'all. It is it is like chief don't give a fuckness. <laughs> it really is. I got it. You got it. You got to post that on Instagram. It, yeah, it was. Uh, it used to be a picture of me and my boyfriend when we were down in Charleston. Yeah, I remember that. Um, and now it's a picture of Kris Jenner giving zero fucks. In her red boots. In her fucking red boots. And, and her giant blonde hair. floral outfit. Yeah. And basically it's, <laughs> it's epic. <laughs> I feel like this entire... I feel like women need to be that, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm here and yeah, I'm the only woman in the boardroom and what you're going to listen to me, motherfucker. And I'm wearing a fucking red dress or outrageous right. shoes and That's I don't give right. a fuck. And my, you know what? And my new Rihanna lipstick, my new Fenty Beauty lipstick is going to shine in your <laughs> fucking face. Where are those women? I mean, they're the ones. Two that, of them are right here. <laughs> I, I know. I know. I like, Although I stick to wearing black mostly just because I'm lazy, and you give no fucks. <laughs> and it just—it's a lot easier to get dressed in black and gray and white. Girl, people are lucky I did my hair today. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. Anything Ooh. more on Rose McGowan or no? Oh yes. Wait, I have more. This oh. is what really turned me off of Rose McGowan. Okay, so when James Corden did his Harvey Weinstein jokes and or like and okay, they were a bit off color, maybe not the best venue. Oh, whatever. whatever. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I, I I actually thought it was kind of funny. But anyway, um I have a I have a weird sense of humor. Not weird, just provocative. So Rose McGowan took um the tweet, a tweet of 40 seconds of of James Corden's um, set and said, this is rich, famous, Hollywood, white male privilege in action. Replace the word women with the N-word. How does it feel? I was like, bitch, no. (laughs) I'm like, what kind of what kind of John Lennon shit is that? Yeah, the, the look on your face says every. Yeah, that the fuck. And then she subsequently t- deletes the tweet when black women started complaining, by the way, because I saw those mm. mentions, and then decides to blame it on smoking a J. What? She said, note to self, do not smoke a J late at night and make weird analogies. Cool. I'm, I'm just like... This is the problem with feminism. Cool. Well, let's explain everything away and blame it everything, all our decisions on other things. Cool. That's right. Cool. That's right. Very cool. Yeah. So it seems to me like Rose McGowan has some issues that she needs to work through. Because honest to God, she does seem like she's in pain. And I'm not being funny. I'm not and I'm not being facetious and I'm not being rude or weird. Like she actually sounds like somebody in pain. So I believe when she says that things happened to her, whatever happened to her, I totally believe her. Oh, 100%. 100% because she seems like she's in pain. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm tired of white women talking about white male privilege and not acknowledging their own white privilege. Yeah. So that's my last thing about Rose McGowan. (laughs) Girl, get some help. Like, ain't no shame in getting some help. Yeah. All right, so moving on, um, 
Last month, when that swath of elections were taking place across the U.S., two women were fighting it out for Atlanta's mayoral seat in a nonpartisan race, which sounds weird. Um, so one was Keisha Lance Bottoms, a 47-year-old African-American woman, and the other was Mary Norwood, a 65-year-old white woman. Uh, both had addressed concerns that economic forces were pushing out poorer residents, most of whom were black, and bringing in wealthier ones, many of whom are white. Uh, Ms. Bottoms called for a large public-private fund to ease neighborhood change, while Ms. Norwood pushed for initiatives including freezing or delaying property taxes in some areas. Uh, in the November election, the race was undecided or too close to formally call, so earlier this week in December, Atlanta held a runoff between the two candidates, with the Bottoms coming out as the winner, although the results are... Again, still close to call. Ballots are still being counted, and Norwood has also called for a recount. Um, going into the November election, however, Norwood, the white woman, held a double-digit lead in the polls. Um, with a chance that she could still eke out a win, Norwood could theoretically become the first white mayor of Atlanta in more than four decades. People are saying that a possible explanation for Norwood's electoral advantage has less to do with her platform than the changing face of one of the most dynamic and important cities in the American South. Yes. So this story is a very interesting one because Atlanta is a very interesting place. And it's having a moment. It's having a moment. Atlanta's so hot right now. Oh, my gosh. Um, I would say Atlanta's been 10 years strong. But I mean, with Atlanta and all the like good hip hop and stuff coming out of there. Yeah, like Atlanta basically around 93, 90. Yeah, because I think Outcast Southern Cadillac, Cadillac Playlistic Music, that album came out around 93 ish. And that's really what start. And TLC came out in 92. So yeah. early 90s, Atlanta and, and music, like the hip hop R&B center moved i would say from new york to la to atlanta and so um atlanta has actually been attracting a lot of businesses they have a major the airport is absolutely enormous you have to take a you have to take a tr like an lrt to get to different spots in that airport oh yeah 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 so um, I was there in 2009, actually, for Christmas. Huh. Um, it really is Black Hollywood. So <laughs> that's what they call it. That's its. Um, really? Yeah, they call it Black Hollywood because because black people in Atlanta have done quite well over the past 10 years. Not all black people. Um, you still have income inequality. That's mm. hard. Gentrification. Yeah. Um, race history, politics. Um, that's why Atlanta is just so interesting and it's just an interesting place to watch politically. So um, it seems as though, so Political Magazine had an awesome piece about the history of Atlanta and Atlanta politics. Mm -hmm. um, but Atlanta, Atlanta politics for, I'd say, the last... 35 no the last 40 years has been heavily black um yep. so that in itself is reflective of a black city uh, of of its residents but um atlanta had gone through um white flight by that time mm -hmm. 
so white people flew out to the suburbs. Sure. Um, one of them is Buckhead. Yeah. Where um, Norwood is from, which is um, an upper class area. Um, and now we're seeing generally as a trend across all major metropolitan areas. Yeah. Like once we the the older people moved out into the suburbs, to have families were getting all the the younger people moving back to the downtown. Right, which locally is what's happening in areas like Hintonburg, um, Beechwood, uh, downtown, the market. All of those kind of central places are now being gentrified and pushing out all the other residents. So in other words, the cultural and ethnic and economic makeup then changes. So really, this is a reflection of um, poor people being pushed out of a city that's economically growing and that really changing the literal complexion of the city. Yeah, it's happening in downtown Vancouver in Chinatown. Ex- there you go. Um, it, well, Toronto went through it, is going through it, yep. will go through it. Um, Toronto's having a housing crisis, I would say. Yep. Um, so, but what's interesting is that this i'm not even sure who even won this election it hasn't at this been decided point. it hasn't been decided 100 percent. okay so this election um so norwood had the double digit lead and then it was closed off by keisha lance bottoms who is actually grew up poor in atlanta yeah so um you can tell like the city is kind of battling for its future right with this election and the fact that it's two women too that's real cool it's pretty fucking cool i mean there were a number of other candidates in the first election right there were like six but like yeah they those were the two ones the... were the cream to the top floated to the no what's the analogy um the cream rises to the top <laughs> so they were the cream and that's the other reason is that these are two women with visions but my question is, what they have put forward as solutions for this gentrification and economic inequality sounds very male, stodgy, and typical. I, like, I don't feel like either of them are bringing in new ideas. And I feel like this is an example of a change in personnel, but more of the same. Yeah, like, I mean, they're 47 and 65. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily people who are particularly open to new ideas and or innovation. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully they can staff up younger people with ideas. That they would actually listen to. That they're listening to. And like do research on proven things that have worked in other cities. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like in San Francisco, they make libra- public libraries into kind of like a community center where people can get government services like welfare. Because there's no stigma attached to walking into a library, but there's stigma attached to walking into a place where you have to sign up for welfare. That's a wonderful idea. That is wonderful. Yep. Like, it's things like that. That is innovative. That is a creative solution. Yeah. So I don't see it here in this, in what, in the either of their sort of platforms. Yeah, I guess we'll have to keep following this one. All right. All right, cool. Next.
So following up on a topic we've discussed before, I think it was over the summer. Yep. Um, it was announced this past week that a pilot project will be going forward for sexual assault investigations in Ottawa, Timmins, Ontario, Peter Peterborough, Ontario, London, Ontario, and Calgary, Alberta to be reviewed by an outside panel of experts who work with sur survivors of sexual and domestic violence. Um, this is called the Philadelphia Model. Um, and Kingston, Ontario and Stratford, Ontario are also part of the pilot project and completed their case reviews earlier this fall. In Ottawa, uh, police will turn over cases from 2016 and beyond, including 160 sexual assault investigations and 200 domestic violence cases. So. This sounds really cool. I'm really glad it's happening. So am I. So am I. Yeah. So following up on a topic we've discussed before on the pod, over the summer, um, we touched on the possibility of Canada bringing the Philadelphia model of dealing with sexual assaults to Canada. And it was actually announced this past week that a pilot project will be going forward for sexual assault investigations in Ottawa, Tittmans, Ontario, Pito Peterborough, Ontario, London, Ontario, and Calgary, Alberta, to be reviewed by an outside panel of experts who work with survivors of sexual assault and domestic violence. Uh, Kingston, Ontario and Stratford, Ontario are also included in the pilot and completed their case reviews earlier this fall. Um, so in Ottawa specifically, police will turn over cases from 2016 and beyond, including 160 sexual assault investigations and 200 domestic violence cases. So that's pretty cool. I think that's pretty cool. Um, I think... Uh, ta -ta -ta. the Ottawa Coalition to End Violence Against Women and the Ottawa Rape Crisis Centre are spearheading the project in Ontario Cool. from funding from status of women. Wow. I did not see that coming. No. I didn't even see status of women involved. Status of women has usually... So for those who don't know, status of women is a government department. Yes. I want to say it's a department, not a ministry. Yeah. Okay, so it's a government department that um, whose mission is basically to exercise leadership and work in partnership to advance the equality and increase women's participation in what I don't know. <laughs> I think just in society. In general in society. Yeah, I so just, they must have gotten funding through a grants and contribu contributions program. Program, yeah. And uh, to provide expert advice on how to take gender equality into account in developing the best policies and programs for all Canadians. Hmm. I think I I don't remember. Um, that's awesome, actually, to support action and innovation that will lead to equality in communion communities across Canada. Now, um, usually in the co with the conservative government, status of women had no teeth, no funding, no nothing. It basically just hung on as a thread. And yeah, I think that empowering the status, uh, empowering status of women Canada, if you are serious as a government and want government policy in a gender lens, then you will empower status of women. So I'm glad that we are we seem to be seeing more of that. They seem to be sort of underwriting and funding certain projects that are more political in nature instead of doing this kumbaya bullshit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they do. Government departments of this kind really, if you've ever been to any like 
government department women gender org thing it's very oh it is just oh you have to sit there and listen to everything you already know yeah everything that you said and everything that you're aware of and the level of discussion is usually below what you are used to yeah i just find that those types of places and discussions aren't I'm not the audience for those. No, I'm not the audience and I, either. And I struggle with them because on the one hand, I feel I should go one to f- see what's been being said mm-hmm. about a given topic, yeah. like, you know, on the sharing economy or whatever policy thing. Um, but also I get mad at myself for going and wasting my time but I know it's important for me to understand what other people are saying and what the current discussion is so I can know how far I can push before people are going to start pushing back. Right, right. So It's more um, of an information gathering exercise for myself. It really is. I I find a lot um, of women's organizations to lack teeth and lack – they're all about awareness and not about action. So I'm I'm very happy that Status of Women Canada is finally like putting their money where their mouth is. Yeah, because many don't. Yeah, and this is a really great um, initiative just because something we've talked about before on the pod is the Global Mail investigation that Robin Doolittle did into unfounded cases of sexual, which apparently assault. started with Metro, like yeah. Metro. It may have been Metro Ottawa. I'm not sure. I'm not sure which Metro. Doesn't matter because it probably doesn't exist anymore. No, it doesn't. By the way. I, 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 sorry, as an aside of Metro closing or Metro Ottawa closing, they were getting woke. I know. They were getting socially aware, social justice-y. Yeah. And I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm sure that wasn't an accident. (laughs) Well, they would have closed it anyway, let's be honest. Well, it was either them or Post Media. That was, I think, the... I could give a shit about Post Media. I mean, Post Media just needs to go away at this point. Like, just, just go away and let people who want to tell their stories and hear different stories and talk about different things and investigate more than the superficial, let them in. Yeah. Out with the old, in with the new. <laughs> like the new year. <laughs> On that note, uh, stay tuned for Rent and Receipts. Da-da-da. <laughs> So now we're on rent and receipts. This is where we each bring a story or article or a topic that we want to discuss with the other person. So, Erica, you want to get us started? I will. Also, I'd just like to point out that everyone really loved your Lena Dunham Apologize bot from last week. Oh, really? Yeah. What did I say? You talked about the just the bot on Twitter and some people were just Oh, like, the bot? This was did they so go? fun. Yeah. 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 Well, I have another fun one today. Oh, great. Yeah. I feel like I am sometimes like <laughs> just <laughs> the one who brings the heavy shit sometimes. <laughs> and I'm like, so I'm going to bring for the last rent and receipts for 2017 a fun one. Great. Okay. So Tracy Ellis Ross. Love her. If you don't know who Tracy Ellis Ross is, she is the first daughter of legendary diva singer extraordinaire Diana Ross. And 
she's also um, an accomplished comedic actress. Mm-hmm. Uh, her first, I would say, major comedic role was probably on Girls. No. Oh, gosh. See, now I'm doing it too. I said Girls. I said Bloody Girls. That is so wrong. I'm so sorry. Girls it was trip. called Girlfriends. Oh. <sighs> I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Um, Girlfriends. So Girlfriends was basically an offshoot to Sex and the City. Oh. Where you had four women. It was on BET, and it ran forever. I think it ran for... I want to say eight years or something. Mm-hmm. It was that popular, um, but got no credit because it ran on BET and it, it, even though it lasted eight years, it barely hit the meter because you know, right? Um, so Tracy Ellis Ross, I say this because she is now on Blackish. Mm-hmm. She plays um, the matriarch of the family on Blackish, um, and it's a very funny show. It really does take topics that we are talking about here and adds context to them. And one of my favorite, favorite episodes was the episode on postpartum depression. Oh. Yes. They had an episode on postpartum depression using the N-word, family game night. It was hilarious. Family, Family game night one was hilarious. It was all the, yeah. So anyway. Love Blackish. Um, now, Tracy Ellis Ross has recently penned what she calls a children's book for men <laughs> called The Hansy Man. Oh, goodness. And Hansy is spelt H A N D S Y to help him, quote, understand sexual harassment and how to behave around women. (laughs) That was my quote. It is the perfect Christmas gift for the man in your life. Oh, my goodness. So, Tracy Ellis Ross was on video um, Jimmy Kimmel Live this week, and she went to discuss the recent scourge of harassment cases. And first she pointed out that the movement is not a sex scandal, nor a Hollywood scandal, nor even a scandal at all, but rather, quote, a systemic problem about the abuse of power that takes place across all industries and has enabled a culture of inequity to persist for far too long. She then attempted to explain the everyday ramifications of the stories coming out each day to the many men who seem surprised and confused by them. And she does so by reading them from a Dr. Seussian children's tome with the delightful moniker, The Hansy Man. Oh my God. And now we're going to play a clip of said Hansy Man. You guys are going to, honestly, I could find myself like actually listening to this multiple times and singing it in the shower. <laughs> this is how catchy ass this thing is. Oh my God. So here we go. As a woman with a big platform like this, there is something I wanted to talk about tonight, and that's the Hollywood sexual harassment scandal. First of all, let's start with the fact that it isn't a sex scandal. It isn't a Hollywood scandal. It isn't even a scandal. It is a systemic problem about the abuse of power that takes place across all industries and has enabled a culture of inequity to persist for far too long. 
Over the past few months, yes, over the past few months, countless brave women have come forward to share their experiences. And while I'm not totally surprised by these stories, it seems like quite a few men are. Treating another human being with respect isn't complicated, but it seems a bit confusing for a lot of men out there. So, I wrote a book. <laughs> It's kind of like a children's book <laughs> for men that is going to make this really simple and just bring it back to the basics. Do you guys want me to read it? Yeah. So, listen up, fellas. Get to the first page. There is a guy with 10 long fingers. Creepy glares and hugs that linger. If you're a woman, you're not a fan. I speak, of course, of the handsy man. <laughs> handsy man, based on the news, you seem to be a bit confused. Listen, and I'll explain to you all the things you may not do. You may not compliment my butt. You may not call me hoe or slut. And even if you're stoned or drunk, do not expose me to your junk. <laughs> and if I am your employee, don't rest your hand upon my knee. No, I won't sit on your lap. I shouldn't have to say this crap. <laughs> You cannot smell my hair, you creep, or grab my boobs while I'm asleep. I do not want a back massage. Did you follow me into the parking garage? <laughs> I do not like you, handsy man. You're not allowed to touch my can. Not on a plane, not on a train, not on your boat, not in a moat. <laughs> not in a tree, not by the sea, not in your mansion. Help me, Chris Hansen! <laughs> So, handsy man, if you're still confused whether your behavior will be excused, I'll say it clearly, nice and slow. If she doesn't consent, the answer is no. one of a 67 part series <laughs> okay so with basically ross mocked um allegations ranging from charlie rose to matt lauer to senator al franken when she talked about groping a woman's breast while sleeping i was just like ouch that was savage i loved it i loved it and i know you loved it too <laughs> so merry christmas that is my gift bad and bitchy to all those listeners. I'm, I'm glad you didn't uh, contribute to the war on Christmas. No. <laughs> Santa's got a lot in this sleigh, and it's called lawsuits. <laughs> How are your rent and receipts, Aaron? 
the litigious Santa. <laughs> I was trying to think of like uh, some sort of Santa joke about bringing coal, and it's just like a lawsuit instead. Couldn't get there quick enough. I was too busy laughing. <laughs> so I want to talk uh, about a story in Wonkette um, about a trend with conservative women trying to turn feminism on and off and then finding out that it doesn't work for them. Oops. Um, so the story starts off with Kellyanne Conway being upset that people didn't care about her Me Too moment last year um, in about September of 2016. Wah, nobody cares about me. Um, at a recent political event, she said, quote, if we're going to have an honest conversation, you can't pick and choose depending on somebody's politics. You know what? She has a point. And you talked about this earlier, right? Right. It, every person who's the victim of sexual harassment and assault they deserve to be listened to and their voices need to be heard totally i don't care who you are nope and i fucking hate kellyanne conway yep um kellyanne conway told her story while part of donald trump's campaign and said that her experience wasn't highlighted because of her association to donald trump But the literal next day, she was in the media saying that Trump's comments regarding on the Access Hollywood tape were not sexual assault and that he respects women, thus defending the exact behavior she was railing against the day before. Um, Cool. Uh, So the story continues, then discusses Bristol Palin. (laughs) Why did it? What? (laughs) How did that? Wait, how did that swerve left? <laughs> it's just using another example. Bristol Palin, of all the examples? So she apparently wrote a, a blog post. Oh, she, it, because she writes. Because 2013. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you so wrong? Why did that hit me? I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, you all. For some reason, I'm like 2013. Ah, sorry, sorry. I go ahead. <laughs> so on her 2013 blog, no, on her 13th um, birthday, uh, Bristol Palin wrote about the hypocrisy of the Me Too movement, um, specifically that when her mother was a public figure, she experienced sexist comments and such, and not one gosh darn liberal even cared, except the incidents that Bristol Palin cited were actually covered by the quote-unquote liberal media. Uh, And one of these incidents included Fox News' Chris Wallace, in which he asked Sarah Palin to sit in his lap for an interview. So uh, Sarah Palin, when asked about the Bill O'Reilly sexual harassment allegations, said that the onus was on women to just not take a paycheck if they're being harassed. They should just get up and quit their job and just not work for that person and have anything to do with them. Uh, And basically implied that women had to take matters into their own hands and not have to worry about corporate and the men and all of these other things. Um, Except that following the Chris Wallace incident, Sarah Palin, in fact, did continue to work both at Fox News and with Chris Wallace. Then why didn't she quit? Well, exactly. Um, If it's just so easy, why didn't she just quit? Yeah. Is she not a feminist? No, because those, those gosh darn feminists, they're so liberal. There's no room in liberal feminism for a conservative. Heck no. Anyway, 
I was listening to an episode of Canada Land this week, Canada Land Shortcuts, um, and they also discussed a similar type of incident mm. um, regarding Lauren Southern. Oh, I'm on. Oh, that's what I'm on right now. Yeah, a former reporter for Canada's D-level alt-right blog, the Re- the Rebel, aka the Poor Man's Breitbart, um, where the one Barbara Kay contributed to. Yeah, and Andrew Shearer. Yeah. Okay. I just yeah. wanted to make sure everybody remembered that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mother of Jonathan Kay, that one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so in a recent video, Lauren Southern attacked alt-right trolls who condemn her for being a hypocrite. She says that even though she believes in traditional family values, that heck, she's only 22 and shouldn't be attacked for not being married with five kids because golly gee whiz, she just wants to live her life and she's just not ready for that yet, except um, that's kind of what feminism is. You dumb fuck. Like, oh my gosh, that is what exactly what we're fighting for, you dumb. You, like, uh, what a dumb bitch. So what are I, all I, these I, fucking conservative women picking and choosing and twisting, manipulating people into thinking that liberals, people on the left, aren't signing up for them because, one, they don't know how to Google – Two, they don't understand what feminism is. Three, they think that they can play both sides. They think they can be... Yeah, you know what this is? This is typical Becky behavior. Yeah. It's like, oh, I didn't know. It's like, but you were railing against exactly what you didn't know? I don't understand. Do you know what you're talking about or not? Because if you don't know what you're talking about, then why should anybody even listen to you? Yeah. So basically, you are undermining your own agency. Yeah. Okay? So when you undermine your own agency and then people call you out for undermining your agency and theirs because they happen to share the same, you know, 2X chromosomes, okay, then there's a problem. You can't have it both ways. Yeah. And as much as I say this about it's 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 a Taylor Swifting on the other side. Mm-hmm. They want to have it. They want to be able to say, I hate brown people because they're, they're usually what they call ethno-nationalists, which is just a Nazi in nice terms. And then, but ethno-nationalism with it means sexism. Yep. There is a misogyny baked into the damn fucking thing. Yep. Okay? And you can't separate the two. Even though Lauren Duca would like to let you know that uh, the majority of the marchers on Charlottesville were white men. The same Lauren Duca who decided to praise a man for... what? What Didn't she... Isn't she another one who praised Ronan Farrow, was it? I don't know. Was it, no, no. She praised somebody, a different man for being... Oh, it was John oh, Oliver. it was John, John Oliver for being brave for the gold standard for the yeah she called him the gold standard because he actually did reporting and interviewing and actually asked tough questions to dustin hoffman about his past sexual assault overtures i would say harassment let's say so alleged everything whatever in everything that that in all that Lauren Duca has written about, she is apparently the gold standard of feminism, and she decides to praise a man. 
you know, when it's all the these same women as, have been doing all the work. So it's that, the same as Rose McGowan. They're it, all the fucking same. They're they're just on different political spectrums. I would like to say that I'm not saying that conservative women cannot be feminists. No, I'm not saying that at I'm all. I'm saying that they just have to be honest about it. Yeah, exactly. You have to be honest with yourself. Also, you have to be pro-choice. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I. I think I think the whole thing about women's choices is the but within that choice within those choices are nuances and those nuances Well yeah like you can you can personally be against abortion but you just have to believe in choice. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Within that is you know I'm <laughs> I've been pro choice since the birth so I'm just yeah. like I don't even know what what I uh, you know I I what I'm trying to say is that conservative women, yes, have a place in feminism. Absolutely. But they have a tendency to be either wrap their feminism in white supremacy, like a Megyn Kelly, mm-hmm. or they attack so-called liberal values that are especially espoused by feminism. Yeah. So I don't know. So I don't know how they're having it, how how they want to have it both ways. Yeah, I don't understand that. To me, you're either for the expansion of rights or you're not. Yeah. And they usually don't want to expand rights beyond. Um, and this is usually okay um, beyond their own circle of women. So it's not just white women. It's elite white women. Mm. you know so and i'm not talking about people who necessarily just vote conservative i'm talking about like conservative-minded people yeah so i think that that is the sort of sliver that that nuance is that yeah sure because of course conservative women can be feminist Mm -hmm. but they really have to be honest about it yeah and they really have to to me I would like them to explain how they can hold certain values that don't expand justice and rights, especially when it comes to the police. Yeah. And especially when it comes to drug laws and stuff like that, that do affect women more. And they don't talk about those things. That's my problem with them Mm -hmm. is that is that it's like I'm a feminist. I've been harassed and that's it. They're, they they don't want to talk about yeah. the gender lens within certain issues. Yes. And that's my problem yes. with them. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So I guess we'll... Uh... Well, I guess that's written receipts. <laughs> I guess we're going to move on to Massages of the Week. Yay! Who is up this week? Gosh, there's so much to choose from. I don't know how we got so lucky. <laughs> well, on the one hand, um, it's not someone who's been accused of sexual harassment this week. So oh. that's that's a change. That is a change. Um, on the other hand, you'll remember this piece of human trash. Uh, Brock Turner. Ugh. The Stanford Ooh. swimmer who was convicted of sexual assault last year and sentenced to serve six months in prison. This was the incident where he assaulted a woman who was incapable of consent behind a dumpster, and two exchange students saw it taking place and reported it to police. 
Uh, Brock Turner ended up only serving three months in prison and was released early for good behavior and is now trying to get his conviction overturned. Of course he is, because why wouldn't he? Uh, Brock Turner's lawyers argue that the jury did not see sufficient evidence to represent their client's character and was not permitted to consider a lower-level offense. They are requesting a new trial in the hopes of overturning his conviction, which actually, which currently requires him to become a permanently registered sex offender. He is a sex offender. Uh, one of his lawyers said to NBC, quote, What we are saying is that what happened is not a crime. It happened, but it was not anywhere close to a crime. And then the lawyer went on to s- describe the trial as, quote, a detailed and lengthy lengthy set of lies. He was caught in the fucking ass. So basically this fucker just doesn't want to be registered as a sex offender for the rest of his life. Right, because it would ruin his life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. But he was kind of caught in the act. Yeah. So... So I don't know how much more guilty you could be. I yeah. It the fact that like the lawyer's like, well it happened, but it's not illegal. Guys, come on. That is perverse. That's a whole level of level of Maybe fuckery the lawyer should have been misogynist of the, the week. Le- it's a level of fuckery that I can't even comprehend. I know. Like, yeah, he was he was fooling around with some girl. And they said that one of the things was that, well, it wasn't behind a dumpster. It was just out in the open. You're kidding. No. <sighs> so it happened. He, they were fooling around. But, like, you know. Also, to say that not the, the, the jury didn't see sufficient evidence to represent his client's character. He was caught in the act. That's also the lawyer's job is to provide sufficient evidence. So what are you saying? That you're shitty at your job? Yeah, that's exactly what he's saying. He's that you didn't do job. your job properly in the first place? Come the fuck on. John Tompkins. Tompkins. Yeah. No. Okay. Uh, first of all, I think this is our first repeat. I feel like Brock Turner has been one of ours. Yeah, I think maybe. Yeah, and um, only because I think that in within this case is like layers and layers of privilege, mm-hmm. and so it's and it's just such it's just so confounding how this is even carried. How did the how how did this guy get away with attempted rape? And I think that. That everybody's kind of scratching their heads, like, how the fuck did this happen? Especially when he was caught in the fucking act. Yeah, I, I, uh, I don't see? know. See, like this is one of those cases where just like, how did uh, I don't know? Yeah, I'm just like, I, I, uh, you know, I, uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just dumbfounded by this, the. The audacity of this fucking white man. You know where the audacity comes from, though? It's because he's been allowed to get away with it his entire life. Yeah. That's where the audacity comes from. Like, he clearly didn't learn anything in prison. <laughs> you know? I don't want to know what like he learned in, in prison. But, it, like, in theory, you know, people who are really for punitive measures like oh you know you do the crime you do the time you learn your lesson this fucking kid learned fucking shit all he doesn't need to do time because he also got let out early because he was a nice well-behaved white boy what yeah how much
much time did he serve? Three months. Erica wasn't listening when I talked about this at the very beginning of this segment. No, it did not. It did not register. <laughs> unintended. Um, that like I that he got out. Or, I know three months, six months. I know. I know. I know. I should have just clued in. But I just I I I. This is why he's a repeat because this is what it elicits from me. It just like I, 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 I. <laughs> no words. Eric is very rarely at a loss for words. I know this is why it's a repeat. Yeah, You're, you know what? This is the best misogynist of the week because I don't even know what to say. <laughs> Do you have anything to add, Aaron? Because I don't know. No, I'm just uh, fuck this guy. All right, so I think that's about that about does it for this episode, hey Erica? Yay! Um, as always, we'd like to thank Media Style for letting us use their space. Media Style is a progressive public affairs agency located in Ottawa. They are a social enterprise making Canada a better place. Hey, Media Style. Uh, and if you guys want to follow us on Twitter, we're at Bad and Bitchy. On Instagram, at Bad and Bitchy Pod on facebook.com forward slash bad and be podcast and you can send us email love notes hate mail comments questions articles even to bad and be pod at gmail.com and you guys don't forget we still have our patreon open become a patron of the pod help us grow help us become independent you know help us become not just a little baby podcast it will become help us, a toddler yeah. podcast help us to become bigger badder bitches <laughs> patreon.com slash bad and bitchy all right erica all right see you next week bye, bye. My bitch is bad and bullshit.